Blog Talk Radio. everybody and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico and right alongside, of course, uh, every week is LPJ professional and Legends Tour player Cindy Miller and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf Show. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day in Buffalo. Yeah, and as well as it is here in Florida and uh, I know we're moving very quickly into the fall season for some, and uh, we'll talk about that in just a second, What uh, some great fall golf. But um, let me just remind everybody real quick, Cindy, uh, before we, we start here on the, on the show, uh, we are live every uh, week uh, when we're on the broadcast, uh, blogtalkradio.com. Quickest way to find us is go to that link and type in Women of Golf, and that will take you to the main show. And that's every uh, Tuesday that we're on here from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, for those of you on the East Coast. And the link uh, is blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf. And you can also download us on iTunes.com as a podcast. Just, to, again, type in women of golf, and that will take you there as well. I've got a great show, actually, Cindy, this morning. We're going to start off with a, a great discussion on 10 ways to grow the game, uh, as I like to call the junior edition, uh, some great ways that you can get your juniors involved and, and why you should have them involved in golf. And then, plus, later in the show, uh, Cindy, we're going to be joined by Aussie-born uh, LPJ professional Jane Crafter. She's going to be joining us here uh, in about 30 minutes' time. So we've got lots of good stuff to talk about. And um, so let's get right into it if we can. Oh, oh sorry, one more thing uh, very quickly, Cindy. Um, for those of you that need to reach out or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by calling in during the show hours uh, at area code 347-945-5855. And if you're um, somebody in the golf profession, if you're uh, a player or maybe uh, a teach professional or uh, an entrepreneur in the golf industry and you're interested in coming on the show and sharing your thoughts and input uh, with our audience, you can reach out to Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com or myself, uh, Ted.GolfTalkLive at gmail.com. Cindy, I thought I I wanted to talk a little bit about junior golf. We've talked about different uh, perspectives of it, and I thought it'd be great to talk about some of the ways to, to grow the game of golf for juniors and uh, so I thought we'd just uh, sort of bounce around a few uh, comments on some of the points that I put down here and the first one is going to be a... uh, obviously sorry go ahead no that's okay I was just to say great idea well you know there's a lot of components to uh, certainly much more than 10 and, but these are just some that I thought were very key and very important and, and you'll understand uh, folks as we get going in the conversation here um, and the first one of course is is wellness for life and what I mean by that uh, Cindy is there there is and, and there's no no bones about it you can't dance around it but uh, youth obesity has been a real problem in the country here and uh, you know kids are just not getting the exercise that they used to and even though golf is not a high, um, 
a contact Impact. sport like many others out there. Exactly. It, 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 it can be depending on, on how you play, I guess. But, um, but here's some things that, that are, are good. Golf, golf is a sport that helps uh, get these young folks off the couch. They're too busy on Twitter and Facebook and other social media. Uh, and here's some interesting fact that I didn't even realize. Uh, I always knew that you could lose a little bit here. But um, uh, playing golf, walking around the golf course, and particularly if you're carrying your bag, and here's just an example, a 150-pound person can burn as much as 350 calories and walk more than 10,000 steps in a round of golf. That, that's quite a bit. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, for, for some of us that are a little bit, uh, a little bit heavier than 150 pounds by, well, not quite 100, but getting up there, um, maybe I can lose a little bit more. But um, one of the important things, I, I guess, to, we're obviously talking about health and, and well-being for an individual. Cindy, what are some of the things that you try to emphasize to some of the juniors that you work for in this particular area? Well, the fact that you're walking and carrying your bag, it also is, you know, beyond burning calories. It's just, it's so nice to be able to notice nature and be out with nature. But if you encourage them to walk and carry their own bag, you know, they're taking time in between shots. They can contemplate what their plan is. There's all all kinds of benefits to it. Well, and also, you know, we always encourage I had a great guest last Thursday night, Brett Cohen. He's a a, 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 um, a fitness guy, if you will. He was on Golf Talk Live and talked about really good nutrition as well and how important, you know, a lot of, especially some of the older golfers, as they get out there and they're playing, they're not always eating as healthy. And that's a, a big component as well. It's not just the, the walking and, and carrying the golf bag, but it's also, and, and, you know, a lot of these snacks that we see kids eating today are very high in sugar and carbohydrates um, and not the good carbs. And they're just packing on the pounds and add sitting on the couch and, or in front of a, a desk, you know, typing away on their computer. Um, they're not really getting some of the benefits and not all kids uh, belong in a sports team or play after school events. So this is a great opportunity, especially for uh, you golfers out there, get your kids involved. Uh, there's a lot of many uh, great benefits. And this leads into point number two, um, Cindy is spending time with family. Uh, and, and you're going to hear it here first from me. But I think this is going to be the next evolution of golf. I mean, there's lots of families out there playing right now, but I think as more and more women, particularly Cindy, get involved, I think you're going to see them getting the kids involved um, in that uh, sport as well. And so family Absolutely. golf is, is, I think, is the next one. And, you, and you're already starting to see it now, aren't you, Cindy? Absolutely. I mean, we do family lessons, a group of you know three or four, mom and dad and the kids. Um, and it's a lifelong, like you said, it's a lifetime sport. I got a good story for you. Um, my husband, yep. Alan, was chosen for two Walker Cup teams, which is like the Ryder Cup for amateurs. And right. today and tomorrow at Quaker Ridge Country Club in New York City, there's a Walker Cup reunion. And so because Jamie, our middle child, is a pretty good player, he's a plus three, I think, um, mm. Alan and Jamie got in the car and drove to New York City for the Walker Cup reunion. I mean, and Jamie's 31, and it's lifelong friends. One of Alan's roommates from University of Georgia, he's now a member of Augusta National. He's play golf with him tomorrow. I mean, it's just a lifelong family event if you choose it to be so, and it's great quality right. family time. Right, and and you know the other thing, Cindy, too, that I you know I've often thought about. You know, there's so many fantastic resorts uh, out there. Um, you know, we always hear about Disney, you know, lots of the great things to do down at Disney World. But
but there's some great golf courses right there uh, on the facility or on the uh, property as well. So you not only can you get there and enjoy uh, Disney World for those of you that uh, you know want to partake in that aspect, but there's some great golf courses to get the kids out on as well and and teach them, well, uh, which you know goes to, right. I, I hate to interrupt, but there is a family nope. course that's real mm-hmm. short. In fact, when um, Alan played on tour, there was the junior tournament, and Kelly was two, and she and Daddy were out there with you know Craig Sadler and his kids and. Pat McGowan and, you know, all the guys that had kids and, you know, Laura Boggs, husband, Bobby with their kids. So there's a great family golf course. So if you have tiny kids, it doesn't matter. Probably three to four years old is old enough to go play on the family course at Disney. It's a great idea. Yeah, I I, I couldn't agree. And, you know, there's some great programs, um, you know, across the nation that really focuses on junior golf. And I'm not just talking about the competitive aspects of junior golf, um, just getting some of the youngsters, uh, Kate Tempesta, who we had on the show up in uh, New York area, runs a great uh, program in, the, in some of the schools up there and, and does some work actually in Central Park. I mean, how cool is that? Um, Nicole Weller, who has also, uh, I think she's been on here, or she's been on, I know, Golf Talk Live. Uh, she's running uh, some great programs as well. Uh, out in uh, South Carolina area, and Myrtle, just not far from Myrtle Beach. So, um, you know, a lot of great programs out there, and many, many others, of course, uh, on the competitive side. So lots of good reasons for the family to get out there and play golf. And one of the other important things, which comes into point number three, um, Cindy, one, uh, or one of the ways, if you will, to uh, really help grow the game, and one of the benefits of it is learning the etiquette. A lot of uh, youngsters could really benefit from this because this gives them an idea um, that some of the characteristics that are maybe missing in our society today, uh, golf emphasis uh, has an emphasis on etiquette. And I know that um, Cindy, that you try to, uh, in addition to your playing lessons and and teaching some of the fundamentals out there with the youngsters, you also try to uh, show by example, some of the etiquette that's on the golf course as well. Correct. Absolutely. And the first tee and LPGA girls golf and, there's so many great programs that instill, you know, the honesty, integrity, character development of kids, taking your time, investing your energy and in, in pursuing a goal. There's so many great things with golf. Right. And, and one of the other um, great things, and, in, and, in, and there's never too early to start some of these youngsters. I mean, I know, uh, as I mentioned, Nicole and, and Kate, uh, and, and many of the others uh, start some of these youngsters at a very, very early age. Um, and, and it's really to, to expose them. I mean, obviously, they're not really working on fundamentals and things like that and with some of these youngsters because they're just too young to understand it. Um, but it exposes them and, and creates an interest. And this is something that I think really is going to help the golf industry in the long run because, you know, as uh, I think statistically we had somebody on the show here not too long ago that talked about that once kids get to a certain age, if they have not been exposed to golf, um, it's a little bit harder to get them to, you know, get that, uh, the bug to bite, if you will, um, as they get a little older because they get in other interests. And, and Cindy, that's one of the reasons I think you also try to encourage uh, folks out there to get their kids involved at, at an early age, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. And it's just about having fun. That's the main important part of it, right? Right, exactly. And that, and that is the key. That is the number one thing is if they're having fun and, and make a game. I mean, you know, especially when they're really young, 
before you, you know, you don't want to get into and, and rule and regulate them to death uh, with, with, with the rules of the game at a very early age. You want them to have fun. And as they grow and develop uh, through their journey, then you can sort of implement um, some of the more definitive uh, rules that, that are required. Um, the other thing, too, that Cindy and one of the other ways um, that is go- this is going to help is in preparation for business. Whatever area of, of business life that you uh, navigate uh, as you go on, folks, um, this is a great way to help the kids and teens particularly prepare for careers in business and other professional arenas. Because as we've talked about on the show, Cindy, uh, a couple of points, it's a great way to network um, out there with other business types yeah. and potentially – uh, do some prospecting, and I know you've done much of this uh, in your career as well. Um, but it's also just a, a, a social thing as well in, in your business community. You know, invite some of your your colleagues out, and it's a great social thing as opposed to just sort of, you know, plunking your your behind, uh, you know, at a bar stool and and uh, you know, drinking the night away. Uh, you can get out there and, and spend several hours on the golf course and. Uh, and just have some great, uh, great time together. Um, and, and Cindy, you do a lot of, uh, workshops and things like that. Do you talk a lot about, uh, some of the benefits of business and golf? Absolutely. In fact, I wrote the book golf one-on-one for executives. So definitely, you know, the value of learning to play golf and using it as a business tool is immeasurable. It's awesome. And you need to do it. And right, for exactly. all the other benefits, we, you know, obvious benefits, you know, the fitness, the networking, mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's all about building relationships, and the first one starts with you, you know. So go have some more fun with yourself and your colleagues and your family, and it's just a win-win-win for everyone. Right. And, you know, the other thing, too, and and, and I know this particularly for for women, um, you know, certainly there are guys out there that feel this way, but I know particularly for women, especially if they've not been exposed to golf for very long, are very apprehensive to get out there in it with a group, even with a group of other women. They don't want to look foolish. Maybe their golf skills are not very, um, you know, very great right now, and so they're worried about looking foolish. Let me tell you something. Um, There is absolutely nothing wrong. Just because you don't have the necessary skills right now doesn't mean they can't be acquired through uh, working with many of the great LPGA professionals out there that, that are willing to um, sit down with you and put together a game plan. Cindy, obviously you being uh, one of the best out there, but you know, this is a great opportunity just to go out, as you said, Cindy, a moment ago, get out and have fun. Um, you know, the, the skills will develop over time as you begin to play the game a little bit more and, and get connected with a great professional out there and they can help guide you in, in some of the areas that you might be a little bit weak in. Um, but you know, don't be apprehensive. Get out there and dive in. You know, you have to learn somehow, and you're not going to learn by sitting on the couch and thinking, well, you know, maybe next week I'll get out there, and then the next week comes and you make another excuse. Get out there, and it doesn't matter what. You know, there's always going to be somebody, believe me, that's going to be worse than you, right? Absolutely. The other thing is, is if you just bunt it down the fairway, if you can hit it 50 to 100 yards, you're fine. You know, don't think you have to be amazing at this. Right, and and also too, Cindy. You know, one of the great things, and I think more of the courses. I mean, they've always had them, but I think they're getting a little bit more conscious of it. Is they're they're being more conscious of of tee placement as well. They're recognizing that, especially as the the population is getting a little bit uh, older. Some of the older folks can't hit it as far as they used to. So uh, they're starting to uh, move those tee blocks up a little fur- further uh, up the fairway. So, um, you know. 
don't hesitate. If you're not uh, hitting it that far, then move up. Um, and, and actually, something that I heard the other day, and I don't know if you do this or not, Cindy, um, I know this is something that they, they need to do more with the, with the women's tees because the women's tees are sort of in one spot. Um, don't be afraid. You, know, you don't have to hit off the tee block. Uh, go out uh, a little ways up in the fairway. You know, Some people uh, are coaching their students or female students that maybe don't hit it very far. They're teeing off from the 200-yard marker. Um, you know, just to, just to get used to, um, you know, being able to, to hit the ball and things like that and not being so intimidated because they're way back, uh, you know, another hundred yards on the fairway. So, you know, don't be ashamed to, to move up a little bit if that's going to help you uh, to get started. And then as you progress and get a little bit better, then, you know, if you need to move back, that's great. Um, the other thing, too, that golf does, and another way to help growing um, and one of the many benefits is, uh, the ability to appreciate uh, golf's diversity, um, and obviously I mean by that, it's regardless of your age, gender, ethnicity, size, or skill level, as we just talked about, um, golf is a game really for everybody. Um, we see all shapes, sizes, you know, all, all sorts of genders, as we say, uh, out there in the golf course. So it's not just limited to um, just, you know, the, the, the guys, and, and it's certainly not just limited to the girls. Uh, it's there, obviously, for juniors as well. Um, here's a big one, Cindy, I know that you, you talk about a lot, uh, and maybe get you to, to expand a little bit here is, uh, managing emotions. Um, uh, again, this can help, uh, grow the game as well. Golf, uh, as we, as we all know, Cindy parallels very much real life. Uh, uh, one experiences highs and lows in the game, uh, and you know, a range of experience from getting those birdies to triple bogeys sometimes, uh, can actually reward uh, a person's ability to, to keep each shot in perspective and manage one's emotions. Talk a little bit about how important, and maybe use yourself as example if you need be, um, about how important it is to, to manage emotions out there. Well, you know what? It's, it's funny. If you, if you play to your skill level and you're, you're okay with that and you accept your will, then you shouldn't get too high or too low and be a bipolar. Example being, there were a couple of girls that I teach sisters who were trying to qualify for the state high school championship for next spring, and we went through the golf course. It was raining on Saturday, so we didn't go play. And I said to them, get get a printout of the course and the scorecard and bring a notebook, and I'll meet you at Panera. So we went for lunch, and we sat there, and we went whole and said, you know, okay, well, how long – is this hole, how long does it take to get, you know, where's your layup? What are you going to the key? So we had a plan for every shot on every hole. And the one sister is a freshman, and she's, you know, this is her first year to qualify, so which means it's great that she's in the top 15 of the whole conference. Uh, and the other sister is a senior, so needless to say, you expect her to play better. Well, she did, and she came in fourth, and they only take six. Now, hmm. he shot 91, okay? So if you were a competitive yeah. player, you'd say, well, that's terrible. Well, not at her level. And, right. And so she texted me when she was done, and she said, oh, my gosh, I played smart, and I made it. So that's kind of what it is. It's trying to play smart and realizing, you know, you have to play to your ability level. And not everybody's, you know, Annika or Lydia Cole. Right. Or right. you know, career. So you just if you play to your ability level, then you don't have expectations that are too high, 
and then you won't let yourself down. And you know what? Right, the funny exactly. thing is, I must tell you, one of the people that I respect and admire the most is going to be our guest this morning. Because Jane Crafter, if you were to look at her, okay, and, and if she's listening, it's okay, but you would you would not pick her in a lineup to be awesome. You would never pick her. So unassuming, she doesn't hit it far, but don't ever count her out. Because she's always right, right. down the middle. She realizes how to play smart golf. You know, it's just that's what you have to do to manage your emotions, in my opinion. Yeah, and and let me just add this for for uh, and well said, and and I'm I'm excited to uh, as well to have uh, Jane join us uh, here in a little bit. Let me just say for the guys that are listening to the show, because I know there are some guys out there that are tuning into the broadcast, um, the power game is overrated. Um, now that let me just clarify that that doesn't mean it it doesn't certainly give some advantages to be able to hit a little further down the fairway. But if your emphasis is on creating power as your main focal point, Jane is a good example of how the opposite um, of that can be just as, as beneficial out in the golf course as power. Um, you know, again, certainly those that can manage that power effectively, um, you know, might be one thing, but not very many people can. Uh, a lot of people can hit the ball far away but they don't know how to recover. Um, if the, if the, I mean, look at it this way, Cindy. If you hit a, a, a drive 250 yards and it's down the middle of the fairway, that's fantastic. But if it's 50 yards left or right um, and you're in the woods or you're in some deep rough, uh, that 250-yard drive is not really an advantage any longer. Now you've got to be able to recover from that. So sometimes, you know, maybe only hitting it 200 yards or even 150 yards, as you said earlier, just bunting it down the fairway, um, then now you're in a position – that you can hit a great second shot. And that's really what it's all about is preparing yourself for the next shot, putting yourself in a strong position for your next shot. And if you do something like, like hitting it out of bounds or hitting it in, in an area that's not conducive or giving you the, the best opportunities um, for those next shots, you know, then you're just in trouble. So um, for you guys out there, they're, they're trying to grip it and rip it all the time. Um, you might want to tune in or continue tuning in for when Jane comes in, let her talk about some of the things that, that she's done on the golf course. As you said, Cindy, she's not a power hitter, um, but she's powerful on the golf course. Um, let's move on. Number, right. Number seven. Uh, and this is a very quick one here is, uh, this provides a, a safe place to play on the golf course. Um, again, uh, these facilities are great for mentoring relationships, as you talked about, Cindy, but also creating a safe environment. So, you know, if you want a great place to take your kids, uh, especially for you moms out there that want something to do instead of just walking them around a few laps around the mall and, and, and that, um, get them out on, on the putting green or out, uh, you know, at, at your local golf course or, or golf center and uh, let them do some things that uh, will, you know, um, create some memories and, and have some good fun and, and get them interested in golf in general. Um, number eight, of course, is practicing personal responsibility. Um, sometimes, Cindy, this, we can all relate to this. Sometimes the ball doesn't always bounce your way, but regardless of the outcome, um, golf is a game. It's an individual sport, so there's no blaming your teammates uh, for what happened. Um, again, this goes back to managing your emotions as well. Uh, correct? I mean, you, you know, you're not going to hit a great shot every time you've got to be able to handle yourself well on the golf course, correct? Absolutely, and personal accountability. You know? Right, and exactly. You gotta, and right. you know what? Here's the 
here's the other thing that I see a lot. There's an awful lot of cheating going on as kids. There's an awful lot of kids who I think are trying to impress their parents. And so, moms and dads, if you're listening, please be aware that your kids are trying to please you. And if you put too much pressure on them, they're going to cheat to try to make their score be lower so that they make you happy. And that is the worst, worst thing that you can teach them ever. Right. And and one of the other things, too, Cindy, that I, I've noticed, and not maybe so much in golf, but in other sports, is not just the cheating aspect, but a lot of kids um, will not control um, out of frustration and anxiety, um, sometimes will become a little more aggressive uh, and not in a good way um, with regards to whatever sport they're playing. Again, because they're trying to please somebody else instead of just out there having fun and doing the best that they can. You know, not everybody, like you said, is going to be an Annika Sorenstam or a uh, Lorena Ochoa or some of these other great female golfers out there, um, you know, or Nancy Lopez, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but that's okay. Go out there and do the best that you can and always strive to improve as, as you do, Cindy. I mean, here you are, Cindy, uh, many years into your career and you're still trying to improve. So it's, it's a, well, that's a continual a thing. And you uh, can always get better. Right, exactly. And it's an evolution, if you will. That's the same as life. It's a continual journey. Um, you touched on this earlier, developing lifelong uh, friendships. This is a great way to grow a game, getting out there. It's a great, uh, great to develop their social skills as well for some of these youngsters out there. Um, you know, again, as I pointed out earlier, Cindy, uh, too many kids are got their face down into their, their iPad or their iPhones or whatever it is that they're using. Um, and they're, you know, they're tweeting, tweeting and doing all kinds of things. And that's not really developing a good social skill. I mean, it's certainly uh, going to help them in other ways uh, down the road. But again, if, if you're spending the majority of your time um, looking at a computer screen or at the, you know, at the, the screen of your phone, um, you know, texting and tweeting and all these other things, um, you're not really developing. So here's an opportunity, folks, uh, parents, particularly to get your kids out on the golf course and give them an opportunity to um, interact with other kids and, and also a, uh, some great bonding time for the family. Uh, and Cindy, you said this one right off from the get-go, but uh, number 10, of course, uh, which is really one of the big reasons we all play golf, uh, is to enjoy the outdoors. Uh, again, it goes to what I just talked about. Too many kids have, you know, plunking themselves in front of the TV or, or some other uh, platform to uh, connect on social media that they're missing one of the most beautiful things, and that's the great outdoors, um, you know, Walking on a golf course, um, what a majestic uh, you know site that is. Some beautiful scenery, and there's some great uh, golf courses. Um, you know, Cindy, and, and you've played many, many throughout this nation and, and, and elsewhere. Um, just talk very briefly about some of the benefits that, that you enjoy about playing golf. Oh, wow. Um, we've already said them. The personal satisfaction of pursuing a goal, challenging yourself. And I don't know that we really even said that. But it's the personal challenge, the relationship building, the enjoying outside. It just it makes you grateful to be alive. And that's what golf is. And I think that some of the people that come in to take lessons that start when they're older, you know, I've had so many students say to me, oh, I thought this was stupid. Again, and they've never tried it, and now they're hooked. 
and addicted, and they're like, wow, this is awesome. I love this game. So we just need to expose this game to more people so that it grows and, and has a healthy, you know, another three or four or 500 years, however long it's been around, because it's just an awesome game. Yeah, it. Exactly. And and I think, and again, you know, one of the reasons why I, I think it's so important to get the kids at an early, early, and I'm talking early age, you know, three, you know, two, three, uh, as I said, some of the ladies that we mentioned earlier um, are doing that. They're not just, you know, they're not just trying to cultivate the next, uh, you know, uh, LPGA or PGA tour player. Um, they're trying to expose these kids because there are so many valuable lessons that can be learned through playing golf. Um, and also too, that, you know, it's not just the playing golf. There's a lot of opportunities on the business side of golf as well. Um, maybe you're not going to be the next, uh, you know, master's winner or, um, on the next Solheim, uh, cup, but you might have a skill, uh, which, you know, could be developed on the teaching side of golf or, uh, you know, on the development side, uh, in some other aspects. So, there's lots of great positions, particularly for women right now that are opening up um, that are, are just phenomenal. And, you know, getting out there, as you said, the social aspect of it, uh, not just playing with your own uh, group, but, but meeting and mingling other people traveling as well. We didn't really touch too much on that, but uh, traveling as well. There's some great opportunities for, for particularly for ladies and, and get their kids involved. Uh, and, and of course you got to bring the husbands along too. Well, you don't always have to, but sometimes it helps. Um, but, some great family vacations um, can be wrapped around and, and to include golf as well. So that's another great way to, uh, to get some of the juniors involved. Um, all right. I see that Jane is on board. So let me just uh, read just a little bit about Jane, uh, Cindy, and then we'll bring her on board. Um, Jane started playing golf uh, as many of us have at the uh, ripe young age of six and cred- credits her father, Brian. Uh, and um, forgive me if I'm not pronouncing uh, Wiffy Smith. Uh, Donna White and the late Dr. Dee Dee Owens as uh, individuals that uh, most influenced her career. In 2004, she was honored as one of South Australia's greatest ever sports stars by the Queen Elizabeth Hospital Research Foundation. Uh, she also enjoys collecting uh, golf antiques, wines, uh, orchid growing, gardening, cooking, and fishing. Uh, has two cats, Sugar and Spice, and as a women's golf uh, television commentator for ESPN and NBC. Uh, is a playing editor for Golf Digest. And her uh, nickname is Crafty. We're going to talk to her a little bit about that in a few moments. And qualified for the tour on her second attempt. She's a, a former pharmacist, actually, from Adelaide, Australia, and joined uh, the LPJ back in 1981. Uh, won the actual 1990 Farmore Classic, uh, 92 and 96 Australian Ladies Masters, and the 97 Women's Australian Open. And as I mentioned, she's a, a TV analyst uh, for many networks and also uh, involved with the Golf Channel and PGA Tour Live. And as well as the vice president for the WSGA Board of Directors for Legends Tour as well. Um, and we're going to talk about a lot of different things with, with Jane, but let's, uh, let's bring her on board, Cindy. Good morning, Jane. Thanks for joining hey, us. Hey, good morning. It's, uh, it's very early out here in Arizona, but the, the sun has come up, Cindy. Well, that's good. We, <laughs> we thank you for getting up early. Oh, not a problem. Anytime. It's, it's great to talk to you both. Thanks for... Uh, Thanks for asking me to be on. Well, thanks for joining us. Ted, well, you bet. Your first question? Well, thank you, Jane. For it. Um, Jane, let's talk about, I, I've got to ask this. I, I'm going to do them not quite in, in, in order, but um, since I mentioned it in the opening uh, comments here, um, how did you get the nickname Crafty? What's the scoop on that? 
Well, uh, you know, it's funny because, um, you know, with the last name Crafter, or Crafter as we um, pronounce it over in the States, it was just a natural. Everybody just called me that. Um, I only had one amateur friend who's used the nickname JC, but um, I figured with the good Lord uh, Jesus Christ, that, that was probably not a good one to keep using. So I just decided that Crafty was good, and pretty much everybody <laughs> calls me Crafty these days. Very good, very good. Um, Jane, we were talking, Cindy and I were talking about some of the ways to grow the game, particularly with, with junior golfers. And uh, obviously, you've had, um, through your career, you've been able to watch a lot of uh, youngsters coming up through the ranks. What are some of the benefits that golf can provide for some of our junior uh, folks out there? That um, Not necessarily those that want to play professionally, but just junior golfers in general. What are some of the benefits that you've reaped as, as a professional golfer uh, and just playing around the sport for so many years, what are some of the benefits that they can obtain uh, through getting golf in, in their life, including it in their life? Well, that's a, that's a, that's a wonderful question. Um, certainly, you know, the, the thing that I feel is the most important uh, aspect of that is really players, uh, young junior players get exposed to, you know, good manners, good etiquette, good sportsmanship, um, you know, I think it builds character. I think it builds teamwork, even though it might be an individual game. I just think that, uh, you know, and I, and I think a wonderful example of this really uh, has been the first tee. Um, you know, I'm not personally uh, affiliated with the first tee, but I love what they do as far as, you know, developing, um, you know, good manners and good etiquette and respect for one another. And I think golf is, is singularly... Um, the best for developing a young person's character, um, you know, and and whether you become you know a great amateur player, you you become you represent uh, your school or your state or your university or, or whatever level uh, of golf you achieve, it is really immaterial. Golf is a game of a lifetime, and you know, I just I just think that. You know, as we um, uh, honor Arnold Palmer today up in La Trobe, um, mm -hmm. uh, talk about a game of a lifetime. And I think that's why, you know, people should get their kids involved in golf. You know, it might not be the sport that they're the best at, but it's such a great social game. It's such a great tool for business as they grow older. Um, you know, it's great for networking. I just, you know, obviously I've played golf all my life. And, uh, you know, it's mm -hmm. just done wonders, wonders for my life. And I can't imagine, you know, where I would be in my life if it wasn't for, for my dad um, who introduced me to the game. You know, he was a, a great golf professional and uh, a teacher and eventually became a commentator. So it's kind of fun that I followed in his, in his footsteps. But I, I'm very grateful that, you know, I got exposed to golf at such an early age. Let me... Uh... Let me just uh, expand on something that you had just said. Um, it, obviously, I'd be remiss if uh, we didn't mention uh, Arnold Palmer. Um, unfortunately, we've we've lost him recently, and and what an ambassador to the game. But uh, and I'd like if you can, Jane, if you wouldn't mind, maybe sharing a memory or, or uh, mm. that you've had of of Arnold throughout his career that really touched you. But let me just say this: um, when I think of Arnold Palmer, uh, obviously, uh, again, he was an ambassador to the game. But he was a great human being. He was something. Mm. He was someone who really um, 
in my opinion, epitomized what it means to be a giving person. Um, unlike anybody I've ever seen in the golf industry, I mean, and there are many certainly um, that, that do things to give back, but he was always giving of his time. And, you know, he just was such a, a great person to look up to. Share, if you wouldn't mind, um, maybe a memory that you have, um, a fondness of Arnold Palmer sure. uh, from your, your time uh, knowing him. You know, um, I didn't know him well. Um, as a kid, um, you know, my dad was a golf pro up in uh, a course in Adelaide, and I do remember, and I'm not sure what age I was, probably early teens, I'm thinking. Um, might even have mm. been before I turned 10. But Dad had hosted uh, an exhibition match between, okay, listen to this foursome. We'll start, you know, low. We'll go Bruce Devlin, one of Australia's best golfers. Mm. Gary Player, right. Jack Nicklaus, and Arnold wow. Palmer at his golf wow. course. Wow. And it just gives me chills <laughs> thinking about watching them play golf. And, you know, they did play the Australian Open in Adelaide um, a couple of times. And I'm thinking it was probably around 1963, but still – I still have their autographs in my autograph book that I had as a kid. So they're all on one page, which is amazing. Um, I don't remember meeting them then, but I do remember meeting Arnold Palmer. Uh, we played a golf tournament in Victoria. It was called the Victorian Open, and it was the state championship, but it was run by a guy, a promoter, who really wanted to give some pizzazz and do something different for this particular event. So every year he would have a famous... American player come over and uh, also played along. We also played alongside the guys, two women amateurs from each state, which was really unheard of, um, you know, back then. I mean, I don't think there's only one other tournament I can, I know now that does that. But anyway, I was lucky enough to be chosen from South Australia and I was out there on the range and the honorary honored guest that year was Arnold Palmer. And so I'm out there on the range. You know, I haven't had a chance to, to meet him, but I'm on the driving range warming up, and I've got a good friend uh, who I used to stay with there catting for me with our little buggy, you know, our little trolley, and she's watching me hit balls. And, you know, I've gone all the way up to, like, my four iron, and Arnold Palmer comes walking behind and stops and leans mm. his elbow on Margaret's shoulder and starts watching me hit balls, and I'm thinking oh, my gosh, why could this not be a sand wedge when Arnold Palmer is watching me hit golf balls? I'm, I'm about having an apoplectic fit. And anyway, I managed to get a few in the air, and, and I, I, I turned around and you know, said hello and introduced myself to him. He said, looking good, little lady, looking good, and then just walked on. And I don't uh, think Marg Appleton has ever washed that golf shirt again with Arnie leaning on her shoulder. But... You know, I mean, that just sort of epitomizes. I mean, why would he stop and say something to this little amateur girl from South Australia? He could easily have just walked by and picked up his, you know, bucket of balls and gone to hit and, and started playing. I'm thinking it was probably it was late 70s, I think, that was, uh, um, you know, when I was playing some good amateur golf before I came over here. But, you know... It, it just, I remember just, I think I, I yelled no like 20 times when I heard on, uh, you know, Sunday night a week ago um, that he'd passed away. And I did see yeah. him at Bay Hill. I was doing some work for the PGA Tour, um, doing some of, 
commentary for their highlights for the website. And I saw he and Kit in the golf cart, and I didn't go up and say hello. I just, I just kind of looked. They were surrounded by people, and he just he didn't look he didn't look well. Um, I heard no. he'd gotten better, and then he'd you know he'd kind of slipped <clears> again. But you know you you can't live forever. But we felt like the king was going to, didn't we? Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, I, to be honest, you know, I was kind of surprised and, and shocked myself because he, he really hasn't been around for the last year. They were saying at, at one of the reports that I read that he's sort of, you know, been out of the public view, except I think the Masters was one of the first public uh, appearances that he's made uh, in a long time. Uh, and then, of course, he was uh, put in the hospital the Thursday prior to um, uh, his passing. But just a, a, a great ambassador to the game and just, a, like I said earlier, a, a wonderful human being. Just so many great life lessons that you can learn mm. um, from him as well. Um, let, let's um, let's uh, talk about, uh, since we just uh, wrapped this up, the, the Ryder Cup. Uh, your thoughts on, the, on this year's Ryder mm. Cup and also uh, the Solheim Cup as well. Well, I have to say that uh, the Ryder Cup was was probably the best golf I think I've ever seen in such a pressure-packed cauldron uh, of drama. I I was just like yelling at the television, um, and and I was, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm a naturalized I mean I'm a naturalized citizen of the United States, so. Right. I have never really felt any affinity to Europe. I might have, you know, back in the old days when it was just Great Britain and Ireland playing the U.S. But, you know, nowadays, um, you know, I am completely behind the American players, you know, and I know, I know a few of them. But I was just so happy for those guys that worked so hard. And, and I was especially happy for um, Ryan Moore, um, I've met Ryan a couple of times, and I'm just a big fan of his. I think he's an understated, um, just a bulldog of a of a golfer. He doesn't give in. He just goes about his business. You know, he's a little bit of a lone wolf, but I have to think that this is going to do wonders for him personally, uh, having played so beautifully, especially in singles. So I, I was just a... I was just enthralled. I, I mean, I've kind of lost my weekend. I don't really know where it went. I just, it was a lovely weekend and I don't even know what the weather right. was like. So um, I think we're all, you know, just glued to the television. Um, I, I just wish that those, uh, those few fans, Cindy, and I know, you know, both you and I like to, uh, to play things, um, you know, fairly. And I hate that people yell out, um, you know, obscenities and, and stuff right. like that before players hit. And I don't know how that can be policed. And, uh, you know, there's got to be a cutoff time for, for, for beer sales, surely. Absolutely. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I, yeah, I remember back uh, some years ago now when Colin Montgomery um, was was playing and uh, I remember the same thing happened. There was some chatter now in, in – and it certainly doesn't make it right, but I know that he had made some some statements, I believe, uh, in the weeks leading up to that Ryder Cup, that I guess ruffled a few feathers. So it was, you know, some people felt it was payback, and that's just not right. Mm. It's not, and you're right. It's, it's very difficult to police that. Um, let me ask you a question. I, I watched 
uh, an interview that uh, right afterwards that uh, Phil Mickelson had made. I don't remember the announcer that uh, was speaking with him, but uh, and you know he said that he was he was really relieved because you know he I, mean, I guess it's been what since 2008 since the U.S. has had the cup, and uh, you know he's played in many. I think he said ten Presidents Cup uh, where they've you know been victorious, and I think he was relieved because he's been tired of you know, the U.S. not being able to do so in the Ryder Cup. Why do you think they've been so successful in the President's Cup, but yet have really struggled here in the last uh, several years uh, trying to get that the, the Ryder Cup back? That's, you know, that's a, that's a tough question to answer. I, I think the atmosphere is a lot less um, hyped up. I think they, right. they seem more relaxed and go out and play their best. I, I don't think... Uh, that the international side is as deep. Um, you know, they've got some great players, um, no question. But they haven't performed quite as well. I mean, they've, they've had their odd time. I remember the one time at Royal Melbourne, they, they played very well and they won. Um, you know, and perhaps, too, the fact that they can... It's more like a draft, you know, the pairings. You know, uh, one team picks and then the other team puts a team against them. And I think sometimes, you know, that can make a big that can make a big difference. Uh, it's not done that way sure. at Ryder Cup or Solheim Cup. When we've done it on the Legends Tour for our Hander Cup, uh, that's how it's done. And, uh, you know, it always seems to be Julie Inkster plays Laura Davies uh, the last couple of right. years that we've played, which is great. That's, you know, that's what people want to see. Now, where, whether Laura Davies really wants to play Julie Inkster is another matter, but, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, that's what everyone pays pays to see. But, you know, I don't think um, – I think if that were done, it would make the Ryder Cup even better, in my opinion. Cindy, I don't know what, what you think on that. Um, you know, I guess there's some sort of – I, I, I agree with you, but I think the Ryder Cup needs to stay the way it is because it's part yeah. of the fact, and that's what, you know, it's grown to be. Tradition. And, yeah, fans love it. The PGA of America loves it, and I think it just needs to stay the way it is. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, understandable, I agree. but you know, and we did get we did get some matchups that were just epic. Um, you know that that match between Patrick Reed and Rory McIlroy. I mean, I have to say maybe their their taunting for my personal preference was a little bit over the top because you just lather up the crowd and and. Um, I don't know. Maybe if they tone it down just a whisker. But you know what? They want. They wanted this. Both sides wanted it so badly that it's hard not to let those emotions bubble up. But that match was just epic. And as far as Phil Mickelson and Sergio, I think that's the best golf. Uh, you know, I mean, Phil Mickelson has played a couple of rounds this year that are just incredible for someone. Uh, I mean, you would say of his age, but you know what? He's in great shape. Right. Um, I, I did get to talk to Andrew Getson, which was really interesting when I was at Bridgestone doing some work for PGA Tour Live. And, uh, you know, they are so excited about where Phil's swing is. Yes, his driver goes off a little bit at times, but you know what? He's just pumped. He just wants to play golf. And yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's still on a Ryder Cup team at, at 50. Yeah. Yeah. And that's important. That's a great point because, you know, you've got to have that sort of fire in your belly to, to really be competitive. I think when, when, when you lose that, 
Um, and and I think it's, uh, again, because he is still playing so well, he's able to maintain that. That's one of the things that, um, he may not have used the exact words, but that was one of the comments that Jack Nicholas made um, some years back when he uh, stopped playing in the Masters and obviously the British Open and, and others. Um, you know, he said that that competitive fire, he just knew he was not able to be able to, to compete on the same level. So that desire, I mean, he still loves to play the game and loves to get out there and, and that, but that competitive juice, if you will, was no longer there because he knew he wasn't able to hold up against some of the, the, the players coming yeah. up on the tours and that. Um, let's talk about, uh, very quickly if we can, about the U.S. Women's Senior Open coming up in 2018. Mm. Um, that's obviously very, very exciting in the golf world. Uh, some of the best female players on the planet uh, are, are probably just salivating for that. What can you uh, tell us about that, and uh, what are you looking for most uh, about that particular event? Well, um, you know, we've worked, we lobbied extremely hard uh, in the last few years. Uh, the USGA, the Legends Tour, and, and Mike Wan at the LPGA lent, uh, you know, his support greatly, and, and I can't thank him enough. And, I, you know, I was involved to a degree. Uh, you know, I developed some good relationships with uh, the guys at the USGA through some of my commentary that I've done over, you know, the last decade or so. And, you know, I just tried to parlay that into, uh, you know, bringing them to some meetings. You know, we had a great meeting at Pinehurst. We had, I think, nine former U.S. Women's Open uh, champions there at a big round table and a lot of the USGA officials, Mike Davis, Tom O'Toole, and, you know, it, it was just really positive. And, and their, their issue was we want this not to just be, you know, one or two or three of them. We want this to go on forever. And, you know, that, I think, was, was their concern. I think we, we all at... Uh, you know, former LPGA players, current Legends Tour players are extremely pumped about this. Um, it was the yeah. only uh, national championship that was missing from the uh, the portfolio of the USGA. So we're excited about it. It's going to happen in 2018. We don't have dates yet, um, but it's going to be, the first one's going to be at the Chicago Golf Club, which was one of the first oh, wow. five founding founding clubs of the USGA. And then in 19... It's going to go to Peggy Kirkbell's Pine Needles. And as a player who mm-hmm. represented Pine Needles and lived there for about 12 years, I, I can't wait. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, <clears throat> you know, we've got um, uh, Shannon Ruyard from the USGA has reached out to, to us on the board and then also the Legends Tour uh, to come down to our Walgreens uh, Charity Championship down in uh, Delray uh, later this month. And she's going mm. to uh, be having some meetings and just look around and see, you know, uh, you know what our tournaments look like. Talk to some of our players, get some insights, and you know we'll be talking to her about, uh, you know, the entry criteria and and qualifying and things like that. So, you know, even though you know it's uh, it's a ways away, um, it's kind of creeping up on us. And uh, yep. you know, um, Cindy, we all need to get our games working hard, right, mate? Yeah, we need to work <laughs> out. And- that's right. That's right. But it is alive. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's right. You, you, we, we are, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm just pumped about it. So uh, it, it's great incentive for our players to, uh, you know, keep their games in shape. Uh, it's obviously an open, so it will be open to, to amateurs <clears> as well, and uh, there'll be a lot of, I'm sure, quite a number of qualifying uh, positions for, you know. Um, 
senior women. It will be, uh, as far as I know at this point, it, we haven't had any word that it's not going to be 50 uh, and over. Our Legends Tour currently is 45 and over, so we would love right. it to have been 45. Um, you know, we haven't heard for sure, but I'm right. the way the discussions had been going, it's going to be 50. So, um, unfortunately, uh, you know, players like Annika um, and Michelle McGann are not, not quite old enough yet, but it won't be long before they'll be uh, able. I think Annika is going to be 46, I think, this month. I think her birthday is in October. But, um, you know, right. it won't be long before she'll be able to, to play and hopefully, uh, you know, she'll pick up the clubs a little bit more competitively than she's done and, and join us. But, uh, you know, we're, we're excited about it. It's going to be great. Yeah, I, I think so as well, and I'm certainly excited and, and looking forward to it. Um, I think it's long, long overdue. You know, Jane, one yeah. of the things that I think has really impressed me when since we've been doing, Cindy and I've been doing this show, is just so many great uh, women professionals that have come on the program, like yourself, uh, who have talked about how they've really strived to give back. Um, to their communities and, and to the game itself because it's, golf has given so much to them. What are some things that, that you try to do uh, as, as a way of uh, not really so much showing your appreciation but just uh, to give back to either your community or, or to the golf uh, business in general uh, as a way of, of saying thank you for, for all the great things that golf has done for your life? Yeah, you know, I, I, I like to, um, to, to get out and help, um, you know, the, the – uh, LPGA Junior Girls Golf Club here, uh, you know, in Phoenix. And, you know, I think, too, one of the things that's important is to is to try and get women who are playing golf now, keep them in the game. And I think that's one thing I, I like to strive to do where, wherever I am is encourage, um, you know, women of all ages just to, to keep at the game and, uh, you know, be a bit, bit of a mentor uh, to them. I think, too, you know... Uh, serving on the board of the WSGA, which is the player association for the Legends Tour, um, yep. you know, has been a, a great opportunity for me, you know, maybe not to, to necessarily give back to, you know, right. juniors or anything, but I, I never was on the board at the LPGA, and I just felt like it was something I really wanted to do on the Legends Tour, and I've been vice uh, president to our president, Rosie Jones, this year, and, you know... Mm-hmm. One of my, you know, biggest things that I'm I'm most proud of is is assisting getting the U.S. Women's Open. Now, whether you know it certainly would have come about regardless of anything that I personally did, but I made it my goal when I came on the board. To that was something that I was really passionate about, and I felt like was a big injustice. And you know, it's unfortunate because the U.S men's senior open's been around i think since like 1980 so you've really missed yeah. out on you know the generation that really built the lpga you know the nancy lopez's and the jan stevenson's and the pat bradley's and mm. um you know all of that you know kathy whitworth all of those players yes. who you've you've got the founders and and the lpga you know's logo is act like a founder well there's a lot of the builders on our legends tour and I felt like, you know, the USGA had kind of not, not snubbed them, but they just hadn't really uh, given them an opportunity to win uh, another national championship or another major like 
the men have had. So, um, right. you know, I would say that that's probably one of my, you know, proudest uh, achievements is being on the board. But I love this game. Oh. I mean, uh, and it's a game for a lifetime. And who knows where the game, you know, will take me. And, you know, my commentary also is, is something that, you know, it's not directly giving back, but it's part of my, you know, who I am and a passion for, for the game that I hope that when I'm out there commentating that if I can, you know, impart just a little bit of wisdom, a little bit of knowledge uh, that I've gleaned and make it more fun for the viewer, then, you know, my job mm-hmm. is my job is done. Well You've said. You've done a great job um, here, and I appreciate you trying to help me. You're very, very giving and warm and knowledgeable, and I thank you so much for that. Well, you're welcome anytime. I'm happy to happy to help. How is your game, by the way? It's getting better. I'm off suicide watch. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. <laughs> well, well, Jane, Jane, Cindy, and I want to thank you for for joining us. Um, you know, I wish we had uh, more time, and unfortunately, we don't. We know it's very, very early uh, where you are, so we appreciate, as Cindy said uh, earlier. Uh, getting up and, and uh, joining us this early in the morning. But uh, uh, let me just say this, and I, I'm sure Cindy would have no problem concurring. We would love to have you back again uh, on the show. Um, there's just so many things that we can talk about, and you've just been a great guest this morning. So thank you very much for joining us. And uh, uh, You guys are very welcome. It's my, my pleasure anytime. And uh, you guys have a great day, and I, I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. Thanks, Jay. All right, thank you. All right, have a great day, Jay. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Uh, That was our very special guest, uh, LPJ professional, uh, Jane Crafter. What a great guest, just full of energy and just some great uh, uh, words to pass on. And and Cindy, we've got to make a point of having her back on again here, maybe early in the new year um, uh, again um, when she's, when she's got some time. So we'll, we'll set that up as well. But uh, on behalf of Cindy Miller and I, we want to thank you for joining us this morning on the women of golf. We hope that you enjoyed, uh, enjoyed the program and we will uh, strive to have many, many more uh, future shows as well that uh, we can share with you and some great guests uh, like Jane Crafter. Um, Cindy, I know you've got lots of things happening over the next few weeks, um, but uh, have a good week this week and uh, a good weekend. And, uh, Thank you for doing all the great things that you do to help grow the game. Well, thank you, Ted. All right. Have a great one, everybody, and we'll see you next time on the Women of Golf.